right, here we are. Currently on Famous is in the streets. And I have with me today a good friend, uh, Mr. Innocent McGuire. And uh, we've come together today to discuss what's happening in today's society as far as African-American men in the community and uh, the police. So here at Curly and Famous, we like to promote an industrious point of view. And I, as a woman, wanted to find out from a man's perspective what I could do as far as having this forum and offer some insight into what's happening. I am glad to be here today on Curly and Famous. We've been talking about this topic for a couple of weeks now, and um, it's a real... Uh, it's a real touchy subject because as you go on and you see what's going on in the news and you and you read about what's going on down there and we're talking about Baltimore, we're talking about Ferguson and on the other towns as far as in the major cities as far as New York, also over in Oakland, you know, you're getting protests, you're getting riots. I feel like there's a way to do everything. Um, there's a way to handle stuff. There's a way to conduct and hopefully get change. Also saying that it takes a little bit of leadership, takes a little bit of sacrifice to get changed. Love that. Completely agree. You're actually the person who gave me a lot of background information about what happened in Freddie Gray. Freddie Gray, if most listeners might not know, they should know, however, is the 25-year-old who was um, killed by police and, well, who was arrested by police and eventually died. And this happened about two weeks ago in Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm... A Marylander, and so it kind of hit close to home, being that I grew up like 15 minutes away from this occurrence. So as a writer, it was great to for you to send me those details and info and give you a different insight. So I'm going to just read. If Freddie Gray's criminal rap sheet wasn't so lengthy, he wouldn't have been a target for police. If Freddie Gray wasn't subjected to high levels of lead paint in his blood, which have side effects of developmental challenges and learning disabilities, he may not have had the lengthy rap sheet. If his home or neighborhood was up to code and regulations, he may have never been subject to lead paint if Maryland and city of Baltimore invested more into these impoverished neighborhoods. Freddie Gray may still be alive, and young men would have the opportunity at a brighter future. It's easy to say shoulda, coulda, woulda, but now it's important to do more for Be More and a lot of other communities um, and just young men. The reason why I felt like it was important to go ahead and do this today is Tony Robinson, who was a 19-year-old boy who was shot and killed um, back in March. That police officer, all the charges were dropped. Um, so there's a lot of social unrest when it comes to this, and I just wanted to how this makes you feel. So, yes, for you, Innocent, how does Freddie Gray and Trayvon Martin and Tony Robinson, how does this, for you to keep happening, how does this make you feel? And you also have two sons, you know, so this strikes a little bit close to home. Speaking on those are three different situations, and we can talk about three different ways to handle it. As far as when it goes to the case of Tony Robbins, so with Tony, he was high on, on, on drugs, so in that situation right there, there's a way, the notes I said, there's a way to react. As a, as a cop, you don't go in there guns blazing. There's no reason for it. Also, too, you should also always have, if you're going to situations like that, you're going to have backup. So but if, you, uh, if you have another cop with you, you can also go in there and also restrain them. And also, there's, there's no reason to shoot to kill. You can, you can always, they teach you in basic training where to shoot and how to, how to go about restraining an individual. 
you know, if this was a everyday thing, it's becomes becomes like second nature. So they go, okay, we don't do, they know what to do. They go, okay, well, we're in a situation again. Okay, we go here, 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 and here, and we're out. The issue I feel there was that there should never been a, a situation where there was a rough ride. No reason for it. I like that you said that. There's no reason for it. And the reason why I kind of take the mic is because we need to listen to what we're saying as humans. This, whatever, regardless of situation, even like you said with Tony Robinson, he was a, he's a human. And it's all about how we treat humans. So, right, like you said, there should be no reason for a rough ride. There should be no reason for a rough ride. Also, too, in that sense, it, sh- it should have been a normal day. It should have been a normal situation where you have him, you detain him, you take him in. You know, even though he's, even though he may have a long rap sheet, okay, well, at the end of the day, you have to get home to your family. So why, so why are you going to make your job or your life a little harder and give him the rough ride or, or just going up and hassling the individual? You know, you you're a cop, you know, your job is for eight hours to protect and do and protect to the best to your best of your ability. It should it shouldn't be a point where he goes up and he leaves he leaves that cop car bloody. It does that doesn't make any sense. He loses his life. Because that's what happened. This has been an ongoing thing. Um you even sent me a link about another instance where a police officer but I think he was actually arrested. Um this is actually a really good one that I um I listen to a lot of a lot of podcasts and I Listen to this one called Criminal, and in this episode, what happens is that a uh, this happens on the suburbs of Houston. The person's name is Robbie Tolan. On that night, Robbie was going uh he was driving home and he was stopped by a police officer. The police officer put in the wrong license plate. License plate came up as a stolen car, and mind you, Robbie lives in front of his house, so Robbie pulls into his driveway, and he goes and an officer goes, oh um the officer goes got the car and was this and that. And, you know, Mr. Tolan goes, and he's like, why, what did I do? Uh, uh, this is my house. What's the problem? His parents come out, and it's like, no, there's no issue here. He's a good kid. He's a good kid. By then, he's in handcuffs. So as he handcuffs, the mother goes up and approaches, and the cop proceeds to throw uh, his mother into the garage door, which makes him get up. And as he gets up, he gets sh- shot in the chest and head. So this is something that is just kind of turning into a cycle. Big time, a big time cycle. But the one thing that they're saying about this one is that um, they're trying to compare it to Trayvon, to Trayvon Martin, and also the the young man from uh, from Ferguson. But then what this one is that he survived. This happened in about 2010, and the 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 district would not charge the officer. So now they, the mother fought all the way to get into Washington, and now Washington is finally going back and going and going to look at the case again. When you talked last week about Baltimore, we, I mean, it was pretty rough. Like the riots got bad, everybody was kind of just sad and downtrodden, and then the district attorney came in and made all of these announcements about they will be facing charges. However, now there is talk that, you know, they may not stick. I think you said it to me was we have to continue to protest. But you said that for sometimes in the African-American community, we don't keep up with the fight. The district attorney makes these announcements and Baltimore is rioting and everybody is just angry at this point. Things are kind of turning sour. 
as far as people's confidence in the justice system. And you made a great point. You said, why does it take a moment like this to spark change? Uh, if these issues were so relevant in our community, then why did it take Baltimore 30 years and the death of one of their own to begin demanding change? I have to say I completely agree because I have grown up not too far from Baltimore and it, I'm fully aware of how Baltimore has looked in certain areas. My mother has worked in the city more than several years, have family members. So to me, it's nothing new when they're like discussing how impoverished the neighborhood that um, Freddie Gray grew up in. However, to me, that doesn't align with why he is dead. <laughs> um, as far as like why it, it's okay. You know, um, the death isn't right. Um, like, like I said in the article too, in the first part I said, if there's nothing wrong, why run? But back to the article saying as far as why does it take this to spark change, it shouldn't take a moment like this to say, you know what, we want better for our community, for for our city, you know, we we don't want our kids to go through that. And me as a father, I don't I wouldn't want my kids to go through this at all, you know. So to go up and now protest and riot and destroy your own community, it doesn't to me it doesn't make sense. If you if you want change, do it by peaceful protest. And what is it? You can be at your councilman's office. You can be writing letters. You there. This is where I kind of have to be a little bit mindful of the resources and also just people's knowledge um, that sometimes these people don't even know that they can do these things. You know, there's no awareness. They're not, they're not taught. That's what it comes down to. If you're not taught how to do something, you don't know how to do it. So if you, if, if you have all the people, if you have all these lawyers and all these, and all these people of, of a higher education going back, going back into the community and saying, this is what we can do. This is how we do it. If you have those people in your community leading the way, then you can build something. But if you if you have people saying, all right, you know what, I'm going to mind my own business and, and worry about myself, that's when things fall apart. Completely agree. Um, I kind of coined something that originally we were going to have the episode Embrace the Hustle, but then I ended up doing Embrace the Community. Um, because the same thing obviously happens in all urban neighborhoods, but in Washington, D.C., it's a similar situation, case and scenario. Why, what do you think has to be done to get the people who come out of these neighborhoods who end up doing well, how can we get them back into, you know, kind of investing in where they were brought up? Uh, it's very hard because you move away. You move to the suburbs. So it's very hard to to go back to where you grew up because, that tax money is not going back into that community. What happens is that the jobs aren't there. So if there is, if there is a job, it's a low-end-paying job. You know, so you have people working at, working at a McDonald's, working at a Walmart, you know, where these communities can't use that money to really to really fund it. When you look at uh, a place like Baltimore, it's very interesting because you have a city of Baltimore, but you have, like in New York City, you have sections. So it's just like in New York, you go, you go to the east side, it's good. It's it's amazing. But if you go to Washington Heights or one twenty fifth Street, it's 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 the, it's destroyed. And it's funny how how doesn't all that money come into or come into one this way everything molds into something great. So it's it's very interesting, you know, but that also comes down from when you go back to the fact of just of this leadership because 
is today, people don't realize it, but we're still seg- like in New York City, it's still segregated. Very much so. I like, and I like how you said leadership, because a lot of times people think that like, oh, yes, I'm a leader, I'm doing this, but they're not being a leader and going back to their community and like coming up with programs like after school care or for real estate developers who can maybe build playgrounds or like skate parks or different things like that. And the reason why I'm discussing this is to make it clear, like, hey, guys, we're promoting industrial point of view, but guess what? Do these things. Go back to your community, build parks, do a program, you know, do something to get the kids off of the streets because there's obviously nothing there for them but a, a demise, obviously. Supporting and building nonprofits and things like that. Well, one thing I, th- I think it comes down to, too, is that, you know, when it comes to the kids, what kind of dreams are what kind of dreams are you selling? Because when it comes to the kids, you're over here selling dreams of what? You're selling dreams of NBA, NFL, you know, becoming a rapper. Those aren't bad dreams, but the but most of the time they're not realistic. Like people don't understand the average football the average football career is maybe four years. That's crazy. Four years out of a whole lifetime, technically. And the one thing about it is that they say, yeah, oh, these guys have guys have all the money or this and that they have to make that that money last a lifetime so they don't see that they don't teach kids that you know what it's not about short it's not about fast money it's about long money so you have to have like the education in order to sustain that if you end up going into that industry or having that type of you know it's not even really about the education it's about you setting yourself up by getting a city job like you know what like everybody doesn't have doesn't have to be a millionaire you don't have to be a millionaire to have a great life for your family. You just want a job. You want a good. You want a good enough job to the point where you can where the bills meet and your kids don't have to worry about anything. You, 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 your son can say, "Dad, I want this." Okay, well, you know what? I make enough money. Next week, I'll have enough money on my check to to put that aside for you. So, like an engineering job, or just underestimate certain jobs, and they put they, they get they get this mindset onto where the only way I can get what I want is by doing these things like glitter and glam like i need to have a lebron lifestyle or a beyonce like that is and that's a part of how what's kind of being like pushed in pop culture right now so i want to ask you as a father of two sons i'm sure like they're not fully aware of like what's going on in these specific topics but for you you know they're not old enough yet but like what are you doing now to kind of certain age obviously of the age of these young men who are dying at the hands of violence and guns and things like that what are you doing as a dad to kind of you know keep them on the right path break it out the belt no No. (laughs) like so as far as that like my oldest son he wants to he wants to be a police officer he tells me all the time he said you know i sit down i talk to him and i'll be walking with him and, you know, like, he's at the age now where he holds a full conversation, and I'm sitting here, and I'll be in there talking about, I'm having a full conversation with an eight-year-old. And he goes, he goes, yeah, dad, I want to be a cop. I go, okay, yeah, we're, we're, okay, that's good. You know, you have to go to college to become a cop. He goes, yeah, I could do that, you know, but once I become a cop, then I'm then I'm, then I'm a fight, then I'm going to fight for justice and arrest the bad guys. And, you know, that's, and that's, that's the dream of a lot of, a lot of young kids, a lot of young men that are, that get all the way up into 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 the maybe into the maybe fourteen fifteen until they get to high school and they go oh well being a cop is not cool because because they went up and they were harassing us like they were harassing Leon so 
you know, like now, like, you know, I always tell, like, even now, I tell him, I said, listen, you know, to be a cop, you got to stay out of trouble. He goes, yeah, you, he goes, he goes, yeah, I'm not, excuse me, I'm not going to get no trouble for that. You don't got to worry about that. So you basically, you're making sure, like, communication is, like, most important. Like, you are having, you're listening, you're taking the time to actually listen to what your son has to say about what he wants to do. So I think that's actually really important. Like, I think a lot of times people don't carve out the time to actually just sit and let their kids babble on about what they want to do. Like, um, you know, my four-year-old, he, the only he cares about is Thomas the Train. So he's just like, only, the only thing he cares about is taking trains and riding trains. I feel like when he when he gets when he gets old enough, he's gonna be he's gonna do something with trains. So hopefully, Amtrak will be back on track. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Amtrak will be back on track. You know, and uh, well, that's not funny though. That that's actually was a tragedy. I really I feel bad for making a joke about that. He, you know, you're aware, you're involved, and I think that is so important when it comes to um, raising young men. What you started out with is like. You know, I listen to him, and I talk to him, and I think a lot of times these kids are not even, they don't have a parent that they're going home and talking to. You know, most, most of the time what happens is that these kids that play sports, their coaches become sort of a father figure. So what happens is that you, like, and these coaches know it, like, they're basically teaching these men, these kids, once they get to high school, how to become grown men. Even, even though a lot of times what happens is that it only happens for four years. So in that four years, they have to cram, you know, so much into them. And as far as responsibility, as far as, you know, and all these, and all these things that you're learning, you don't realize till you're older that, man, you know, like, wow, like, me losing that was, was, was important, you know. So other, other people, other fathers, you have, you have other people that look out for you, want your best interest. So consistency is what most young boys and just kids in general probably need like a little bit of structure and consistency and this can assist with hopefully not having them you know a lot of kids go the wrong way to be honest you go to any football team at a high school level and you go to the star players and you go where's he at now because what's i think man that's a whole nother subject (laughs) because it What's brought to my attention is that a lot of times these kids and their schoolwork is not become a priority. When I was an athlete, this is like almost 10 years ago, we had like, I think it was like maybe 45 minutes or to an hour of a study session. And when I talked to my nephew who was now 15 and his dad mentioned something about his grades and I'm like, dude, what's up? And he's like, we don't have no study session. We don't have no study hall. And I'm just like, well, you can't play if you don't have the grades. And I'm just shocked. But right now, what's happening is a lot of these coaches are overlooking that because they want the talent. Talent always gets pushed through. No matter, talent always gets pushed through. No matter how bad you do in school, they'll find, they'll find a way to get you on that field. He will find a way to get you on. If you can make plays, he will find, he'll find, he'll find a spot for you. But what it comes down to also is that the, that's where the parent come, comes in and says, listen, you know, education comes first because you can't play football forever. You'll probably, like, you'll play football until maybe you're 30. When you're 16, you think you're going to play football for the rest of your life. You think you're going to play until you're 100. So, you know, not until you have those real sit-down conversations, and that's with everything. And that comes down to, you know, that comes down to music. That comes down to, to the simplest things, like as far as even even just hanging out with your friends. And so I think 
to summarize it all through the current events um, of what's happening in society and coming from, you know, a man's perspective, raising young men, um, I think you made it very clear, like, you have to be involved and you have to communicate as well as you can and kind of keep the, the most important things front and center, which is, like, obviously most boys want to play sports and do all these things, but education is the most important. You know, like, when my son gets around maybe 12, I'm going to teach him that communication is everything. Communication, your communication skills have to, you have to be able to talk to everyone. And that means you're in a, you're in a situation where, where you do get stopped by the police, you know how to handle that situation. So that, so that means you don't run. That means you go, you, you go, stop shit, you sit there, you relax, you say, what happened? What did I do wrong? Okay. And you find out the situation. So this way he goes up and his whole mindset, he's calm, you're calm. This way, this way, once once you get aggressive, he's going to get aggressive. So heads aren't thing. When I read about the Tony Robinson instance, it hit me that a lot of the times when I feel like when police officers get into these situations with these young black guys, I feel like, you know what, they must immediately get, like, scared for their lives. Because a lot of times the, the reaction, the time frame for once they gain contact and the time frame from when the boy is shot is, like, Almost instantly. You have different nerves going at that time, too. You have your your adrenaline is going, you know, because before you knock on that door, you don't know what's going to happen. So right before you get to that door, you're going to have adrenaline going. You're going to have butterflies. You're going you're, you're to be thinking the worst possible scenario. So already in your head, you're not going to be thinking, okay, well, this should be a peaceful one, two, three. The moment, the moment you knock on that door, you're, think, you're, you're thinking the worst. So... That right there already already sends a red flag to be on guard, you know. And if anything goes wrong, this is my default. Oh no, what? I'm gonna shoot. Instead of, instead of even tasing them, they just shot. Um, and something I learned from my brother's best friend, he's pretty much like my brother. When I lived in LA, and anytime we he got pulled over, he would tell me like, Arlen, like anytime you get pulled over, or something, put your visors down, turn all your lights on in the car, put your ID on your lap, like put everything in plain view and put your hands, you know, so that set yourself up so that they won't feel some type of way or that it, you know, you kind of can stay in control by being cooperative and proactive or whatever happens. So it's a shame that we have to like be trained like this, but now in this day and age, it seems like what is what you ha- we have to teach our kids. Like you said, basically, remain calm. But in the, even in the case for, like, Tony Robinson, he was on drugs. So it's like there there is no way for him to even have that point of view. So, I mean, we could go on and on and on. Even though he was on drugs, there's a way to handle him. I'm pretty sure it was two men. These are two grown men. They, they can go up. One goes high, one goes low. You take him down to the ground, and you secure him. You know, you go up and basic training that you shot up somebody to the ground. You don't have to go to the gun, you know. That that should be your last resort. And in this case, the problem the problem now is with these cases are nobody's getting arrested. So at the same time, these cops they feel they feel like invincible. Exactly, and that's the thing. It's like to the point where if they do shoot, you know, there is a good chance that they'll get off. What happens is that the only the only people that are here are the cops and the dead person. So in their report, they're gonna put what they're gonna put. So they can empty a clip and say. This is the reason why I emptied. I was scared for my life. This person came at me. That's another, that's another thing that another, another thing that I feel like black men don't understand is 
what what is resisting arrest? The moment you do not comply with what says you are resisting arrest, that means you are automatically losing. You are automatically going to jail. It is there's too many instances where I see I go on World for Hip Hop every now and again. I'm not gonna lie about that. So I would go on World for Hip Hop and I would see oh cop assault a man. And I once look at the video, and the cop simply said, put your hands behind your back. He walks off, or he, or the cop reaches for his arm, he yanks his arm from the cop. Right at that moment, you are resisting arrest, you are in the wrong. Your case, any case you have is going to be dismissed. Because at the end of the day, once you don't go and you listen to that cop, you have no case. And people don't understand that. Even You can record to get blue in the face. You can record all day long. That cop's going to say, all right, right there, right there he resisted arrest. I have used force to take him down because he resisted arrest. Wow. I think that was a great way to, like, wrap it up is make these young men aware of their actual rights. And this is something, like, not even just young men, but as just citizens, a lot of people don't even know what the Miranda rights even say. They don't even know the certain laws when it comes to being pulled over or arrested. So I think becoming aware of all these rights is really important in this day and time, especially in society. So I think it might be something good for people to have their young boys do, you know, some research on this topic and discuss it with them so that they are aware, like, hey, these are my rights. Now that could be, that can open another day, at least they know. At the same time, too, is that how come they aren't taught in, in high school? You know, because it's, it, this, a course like this can be, can be taught one time in a health or a gym class to say this, okay, we're going to teach you guys about a situation where involved involving the cops. And they go up and they teach you for that 45 minutes a rundown of how to handle yourself in the instance where, where you're stopped by the police. That's actually a great idea because that's like just as common as like I took a, like a consumer math class and it taught me like how to write checks. And I feel like in certain instances like that, a lot of times no one ever expects like, oh, I'm going to get arrested, I'm going to get pulled over. Nobody even knows what to do. Like I've even, I have a cousin who like, got a DUI and she obviously you don't know what you're to do because you don't you aren't taught these things but I think it's actually so important in this day and age to be taught the simple things this will be my last last <laughs> thing so uh what it comes down to is is you know when you have that knowledge you go okay you know what this is what I'm being pulled over for like you can't watch, you can't sit and watch Law and Order and, th- and think you and again. <laughs> no, but real, you you can't you you can't watch TV and think you know the law. You can't watch Law and Order and say, oh well, um, I seen that Law and Order that this person did this and that's why they got arrested. It's like no, that's TV. They thinking that way because you don't know the law. You know, for ev- for every law, there's two or three more that are just super or just as similar. So if they don't get you for one, they'll get you for one that's just as similar. You know, so just walking the street and thinking of the law without being taught it. Because at the end of the day, we don't know that big that big book. Half the cops don't even know that big book. But at the end of the day, there's about 60 common laws that, that people get stopped for every day. Those are the ones that, that, yeah, I think that's great. Those are the ones that you should be teaching your child or trying to get that implemented into, like, a curriculum, like you said, in a health or a gym class. In homeroom, like, t- a segment over, like, a couple months. Is something that can be brought up. This was this has been great. I'm glad we finally did this because I mean, let me tell you, my heart was heavy, and I just needed people to know how I felt, and I also wanted to just be able to offer you know my opinion on these subjects in the society because like we're all currently unfamous, and I want everybody to do well. My, my um, you can hit me up on Twitter at you know the great. 
I N N O T H E G R E A T. Also at Instagram at I Rap914. You know, um, give feedback and uh, let me know if you enjoyed the show or not. I like. (laughs) This is awesome. I'm glad we did that. This is Linda from Currently Unfamous. You can catch us on the blog and on SoundCloud, currentlyunfamous.wordpress.com. Twitter as well, at C underscore unfamous. And uh, me and uh, Sequence and Pearls will be back soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.